Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. My name is Shelley, and I'm one of the librarians with the Maricopa County Library District. I'll be joined today by Aubrey, another librarian, and our very special guest, Kevin Hearn. Let's get started. Today at our author talk, we are going to be talking to Kevin Hearn, author of the Iron Druid Chronicles, the Seven Kennings Trilogy, and co-author of the Tales of Pell. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, I have to say, I'm I'm really excited that uh, I get to be the one to to do this author talk uh, because uh, I've read the whole Iron uh, Druid Chronicles. That was a uh, uh, one of my favorite series. I had just uh, uh, finished. Uh, the Dresden Files, and I was I was I was looking for something new to read, and uh, a friend of mine, a fellow librarian, said you have to pick up uh, the Iron Druid Chronicles. It was uh, brand new, the first book at the time. Oh wow! Okay, so yeah, that was a little while ago. Uh, <laughs> yes, well, yes, definitely. Uh, but but I know you know that that series uh, that was a, a little while ago. Uh, do you want to start by telling us what you're currently working on? Um, I'm working on a couple of different things. The Seven Kennings trilogy that you mentioned, I'm about to start writing the last book of that trilogy. So the first two books are already out. Um, and then uh, that's going to be called The Curse of Krakens. Uh, so I'm excited about that. that and, that's a fun title. Uh, yeah. And then, um, I'm also, but before I can get into that, I'm finishing up edits on Paper and Blood which is the second book in a new series that's set in the Iron Druid universe. Uh, it's called Ink and Sigil, and that just came out last week. The first book of the series came out last week, uh, and people can start there. If they've never read any of my work, they could start with that. They don't have to read the Iron Druid Chronicles to enjoy it. So um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a great starting point, but it also is a, is a great continuation point if you have read everything. Um, that I've written in the Iron Druid universe so far, you're going to get some nice Easter eggs in there. I'm glad you reminded me of that. I, I, I was planning to pick that up, but uh, I guess I got busy if it, if it just came out a week ago. Uh, you, you did a lot of a lot of great world, world building in that series, so it's nice to to have a new starting point to to point people the way. Yeah, set in Glasgow and uh, partially in Philadelphia as well, but. Uh, it's uh, Glasgow is such a wonderful city and, and it doesn't get a lot of the attention that like, uh, you know, Edinburgh and the Highlands gets. Um, but it, it's it's a completely charming place and uh, it deserves its its own exploration in an urban fantasy. Ooh, like that'll, that'll be a lot of fun. I've, I've only been to Edinburgh, never been to Glasgow. So that, that would be a, that'll be a fun trip to take in in your story. Yeah, absolutely. So, so talking about that that world building a bit more, um, how do you go about creating the worlds that your characters inhabit? It? Like, like how did you decide we we need to go to Glasgow this time? Well, uh, yeah, the, the worlds are uh, pretty much created for me. I'm using our our current world basically. Uh, all of the locations that appear in my urban fantasies are places you can actually, you know, go for real. You can uh, visit the Citizen Pub in Glasgow, and you can you know, see the necropolis and the cathedral, and you can see there, there's a mural on High Street called St. Mungo that's just amazing looking. And uh, that's where the protagonist has his shop. So you can visit all of these places. And I, I like that uh, aspect of it. A lot of people keep going to Rulabula in Tempe, for example, this Irish pub on Mill Avenue uh, that 
the protagonist frequents. And uh, he says he's got the best fish and chips, you know, in 30 states or something like that. And um, they, they go and try it out. I'm like, those really were good fish and chips, you know. So I like that stuff. I, I like having this real concrete place to go visit because then, of course, my fantasy is is tougher to uh, – to, to swallow because it's kind of it's kind of wild stuff going on right but if you anchor it with reality it, it's kind of easier you know to swallow all that stuff and 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 believe it you know so um, that's why i really enjoy uh, anchoring things in the real world as much as possible that, that definitely makes it a, a lot of fun for your readers in fact uh, when i moved down to arizona i still haven't made it over there but i was like okay i've gotta i gotta make it over to tempe to get some fish and chips <laughs> Yeah, it, I, I hear they're back open. Um, so yeah, head on down there and check it out. It's a really cool place. Um, yeah. So uh, what kind of research do you do and how long do you spend researching before beginning a book? Because to, to weave together all that, that realism into your fantasy. Yeah, uh, I, I actually went to Glasgow, did a whole bunch of location scouting, had some locals there tell me some cool places to visit. Went and took a lot of notes, went and took a lot of pictures for future reference. Um, and then uh, then for this this uh, new one, Paper and Blood, that I'm editing right now, is supposed to be set in Melbourne, Australia. And I, and I had plans to go visit in April, but the pandemic destroyed those plans. So I didn't get to go at all and do my normal location scouting. But happily, there's an author friend of mine who lives down there who happens to be a fan of the Iron Druid Chronicles and was just overjoyed at the prospect of seeing me write about, you know, her town uh, in my fiction. So she went and did a lot of location scouting for me. She went and took a video, uh, you know, of, of different places that I wanted to see, helped me out with a lot of location stuff, even took a hike. Uh, out into the bush a little ways for me uh, to to see what uh, the flora and fauna were like and how the land was, you know, what was the lay of the land out there. So um, I, I do a lot of that kind of stuff, in-person location scouting. And then I also do research, of course, on mythology and things like that, which can be done, you know, pretty easily on the internet, which is nice. Um, and so all of that combined, you know, I, I spend uh, quite a bit of time uh, on location stuff and real world stuff for details. And then a lot of the fantasy is mythology based and that's, uh, you know, just just sort of your basic research and, you know, I kind of build on it from there. Right, right. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. It's it's interesting to hear uh, how the current world situation has uh, modified your approach to doing research. But what else are you doing that's different? Oh, gosh. Um, well, since I was working from home anyway, uh, you know, that that didn't really change for me at all. Um, I used to go out, however, and, um, you know, get a different setting in which to work. You know, I'd go to a cafe or something like that. Um, couldn't do that anymore. Um, I, I can now, kind of, sort of, um, because of where I'm at. Uh, there actually hasn't been a new case of COVID where I'm at in, I think, a, over a month. And uh, people are... Yeah, people are able to actually go out to uh, restaurants. Everybody wears masks and things like that. So I can go if I want to, but I don't really too much. I've, I've done a couple of, of little uh, excursions where I get to sit outside and, and um, you know, kind of away from everybody and, and work a little bit. So um, otherwise, uh, yeah, it's it's been 
uh, a lot of uh, meetings uh, online like this, and um, right. I've had to uh, I had to sign little book plates for my book that came out last week in Contigial. Instead of being able to sign books in person, because you can't really ship books uh, as easily anymore. Uh, so uh, ta talking a little bit about the internet side of things, uh, what's the weirdest thing you've ever had to Google for your writing in order to to, to nail the story? Uh, whether ghouls are dead or undead uh, i didn't you know because if you think about it you know there are certain kinds of powers or you know characteristics flaws etc that come with whether they're a dead creature or an undead creature or something like that i didn't know i i had no idea what really what was the deal with ghouls people just talk about them but you know when you get into the nitty-gritty you know you have to know what you're doing so uh I'm sorry. I was going to say your world, the world has rules and things you have to follow. So you have to, you have different rules depending on what they are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, that was for a short story that I was writing. Uh, and it took me a few hours to come to a conclusion because there were conflicting, you know, reports. And uh, once I decided what it was, I was kind of happy with myself. And, uh, you know, this was shortly after I had stopped teaching. Uh, for a living and my wife came home from teaching. She's like, what'd you do today? She's completely exhausted worn out by all the high school kids, you know stuff like that What'd you do today? Right. And, and, and I was like, well, I looked up whether ghouls are dead or undead. She's oh, and she got mad <laughs> She's like, I can't believe this is how you spend your days uh, That's that's definitely a good way to spend a day. So yeah. uh, out of all the books you've written uh, Which one or which series is your favorite? And uh, which one would you recommend to someone who's just discovering your writing? It, if you like epic fantasy, my epic fantasy trilogy is going to be up your alley. It's called um, The Seven Kennings. And the first book of that is called The Plague of Giants. The second book of that is called The Blight of Black Wings. And that would be the book that I am most proud of right now. That um, I think that's the best thing I've written. And uh, until I write A Curse of Krakens, I'm, uh, I'm really proud of the epic fantasy stuff. Um, it's structurally different from anything else that I that I've read myself out there. It's it's you know eleven or twelve different first person points of view, which isn't really done in epic fantasy. So structurally, it was a challenge. It was a mountain I wanted to climb. I wanted to write something that hadn't been done before. So that's what uh, you know the Seven Cannings is is kind of it means to me. It's it's a it's really true accomplishment. Um, and uh, so I, I love A Blight of Black Wings and what I did there. It's my wife's favorite book, too. She, she loves it. Um, and then uh, in terms of if you wanted to start out, if you're an urban fantasy reader, if you like a little bit more humor and things like that, then the, the book that just came out, Ink and Sigil, is a perfect place to start. Um, if you like even funnier, kind of goofier stuff, then The Tales of Pell start with Kill the Farm Boy. Um, that is a laugh riot as well. Sort of like you think about a, a Dungeons and Dragons team made up of characters who roll critical fails a lot. Um, that's kind of what you get there. It's a lot of fun. So yeah, that, that, that's definitely the feel I, I was getting when I when I was reading uh, Kill the Farm Farm Boy for sure. Although you've got me excited now, I realized I haven't actually gone back to the uh, the second book in the Seven Kennings. I'll have to I'll have to check that out now. Oh, good. Yeah, please do. Um, I think it it really builds off of you know what i did in the plague of giants and um i i think the characters really get to find their stride there and, and i love it so.
Speaking of tales of Pell and some hilarious moments, what were the origins of the cabbage cult? The origin of the cabbage cult? Yes. Uh, okay, so that was from No Country for Old Gnomes, right? That's correct, yes. What was the origin of that? Well, I, I, I do have to take the blame for that one. I did write that chapter. That was not Delilah. Uh, <laughs> that was me. Um, but I think it's because uh, cabbage just smells. And I, I don't know, I just wanted to, there, it's sort of a, a really sort of uh, a terrible, terrible vegetable to me. Um, and it, it, it inspires personal horror. Uh, so because of that, I was wondering what if, what if, you know, something that I already sort of found to be a horrible vegetable was the, uh, origin or the, uh, primary uh, vehicle of worship for a cult. What would that look like? What would it be? You know, and, yeah, it, it was a large part of it was silliness, right? Um, you know, Delilah doesn't like raisins. So we keep messing around with raisins in the book, uh, the books as well. So I've got a thing about, against cabbage, and she doesn't like raisins. So yeah, you know, they they kind of get made fun of, you know, as we're going through the books. Um, yeah, I I can't remember what else. I I wasn't really you know poking fun at any uh, actual cult or anything like that. I was just you know if I took a terrible vegetable and tried to make a, a religion around it, what would it be like? That's kind of what it was. <laughs> just goofing around, honestly. Well, it was the fun part in the book. <laughs> Here's, you know, to get into that goofier uh, frame of mind, uh, next question we have is, uh, what is the funniest typo you've ever written? Something that made it all the way to the editor. Something was supposed to be, you know, it smacked against the wall, but I had typed an N instead, and so it snacked against the wall, and uh, <laughs> which is a much less violent and tastier uh, typo than... Uh, than what really happened. So yeah, that that was a, a much better fate for the character uh, to be snacking against the wall. Yeah, yeah, I, d I definitely would rather have a snack than to uh, run get run into a wall forcibly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> classic question. I'm sure you've been asked this one uh, many times. But uh, what advice would you give uh, new inspiring authors? Oh, uh, finish your book. Uh, I learned so much from just finishing my first book, which was terrible and will never ever be published. And that's fine, <laughs> by the way, uh, your first book, don't, maybe think of it as like uh, training wheels. Um, it, it, the majority of authors do not publish their first books. It does happen. Uh, so I don't mean to give you the impression that your first book will not ever be published, but um, in terms of statistics, from what we can tell by surveying authors and so on, at least in science fiction and fantasy, uh, most sci-fi and fantasy authors wind up publishing their second through their fourth books, like they've written a few before they ever got published. Um, the the most probably most prolific uh, sci-fi fantasy author around right now, Brandon Sanderson, he wrote nine yeah. books before he got published, and now look oh. at him. Right. So wow, it, I did not know that. Yeah, you you can you can really learn a lot from you know writing some books, and uh, you learn the process. You get faster at it because you have this confidence that I can do this. I can finish this book, you know. And it, because a lot of people say, "Oh, I'd like to write a novel someday," and they never really get to it and put in the work. And it is a lot of work and can take a lot of time. Um, so once you do it, though. 
then you realize, yes, you can do this and you can do it faster and you can do it better. And that's what I did. So Hounded was my third novel. So it was the first, the first novel that I published, but it was the third novel I had written. My first two, um, I just learned a lot. I learned how to write so that when Hounded got finished, it was in publishable shape. So um, my, my, my advice to you then as, a, as an aspiring author or writer or whatever uh, is to just finish your book because even if it's terrible and it's okay to be terrible, you know, when you're starting out, that's perfectly fine. Um, even if it's bad, you are going to learn so much of what not to do next time and you will have so much confidence going forward on your next project. Um, so, you know, just get it done. See what it's like. You know, fulfill the, you know, put in all the beats, wrestle with the soggy middle, come up with that triumphant ending. You're going to feel so good about yourself. And then, um, and maybe it will be in, in uh, editable shape to be published, which would be awesome. And uh, maybe you got to just move on to the next idea. That's fine too. So uh, what was the hardest scene you've ever written? Uh, uh, the, the, there was a, a chapter in A Blight of Black Wings that was really rough uh to write it was um a battle uh, chapter a battle scene um and there was uh romantic tension in it there really a sort of a crush going on that kind of a thing and there was um hard decisions that needed to be made and um some really heart-wrenching outcomes and i you know a lot of internal drama going on with the people participating in the battle besides this external, oh, I'm fighting an enemy kind of a thing. So um, that was a tough one to write. Um, it was really emotional and um, thankfully in terms of like, you know, people that have read it and, you know, said something to me that they were really touched by that particular chapter. So it was worth it, you know, me getting all reclaimed and stuff like that while I'm writing it. So that was a tough one to write, but um, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad I did it. It's, it's uh, one of the chapters I'm also very proud of. So. Sounds like it was a leveling up moment, having to do all those layers. Yes. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It, it took a while to build up to it. And, um, you know, I had multiple characters involved that had been being developed for a while. And um, so, yeah, it, it was it was a challenge, but uh, um, I loved it. And so, yeah, Blight of Black Wings is probably my favorite work for sure. Yeah, you, you've definitely got me excited to, to go back to that that trilogy. Uh, so next one is uh, go, going back into the, the lighthearted a bit. Uh, do you ever try to hide Easter eggs in your books that you expect only a few people might find or, or notice? Um, I put in a lot of teacher jokes and modernist poetry things and, you know, stuff like that. Um, little allusions to pop culture uh, are in there throughout, you know, all of my urban fantasy things. Um, so yeah, I, I put in little Easter eggs all the time. It's a lot of fun. I, I, I like doing that and see if anybody ever catches it. It's, and if they don't, it's fine. I still had a good time. Right for yourself first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's really the key that like, uh, I, I found out when I uh, was writing to entertain myself that things went a lot better, you know, it, it faster. And then, um, it, Luckily, other people are entertained by the same kinds of things I am. <laughs> Another funny one. Uh, do you ever Google yourself? 
Oh, I don't. Wow, that way lies madness. Yeah, I, I don't Google myself. I don't look at my reviews, um, you know, because I, I just have a tender psyche. So I, I, I don't go there. Um, what happens is that my editors will kind of give me a sense of where things are and what people are saying. They'll sort of condense. They'll, they'll go look at reviews and then sort of summarize it for me if, if I'm interested. But um, yeah, I don't look at that stuff because it, it, it just kind of, it's a mental time suck. It, it takes away, um, you know, the energy that I should be using to create stories. Oh, tell us what, what do you love about your fans? Or oh, they're so kind. They're so wonderful. They've been, uh, I've been getting the sweetest little tweets and Instagram messages and things like that. Some emails here and there about people liking Ink and Sigil. Um, I, when I've been on tour in the past, uh, people have brought me whiskey, which is wow. Uh, you know, oh, thank you. That's that's impressive. Yeah, they they've they've uh, they've also uh, brought me um, little stuffed animals that they've made. You know, little macrame or or I'm probably using the wrong <laughs> term there, but they've made really cute little stuffed animals for me uh, that I really enjoy. Uh, I've gotten some artwork, stuff like that. Um, oh, here's the strangest thing. I got food that I couldn't possibly eat, and, and I felt really bad because it was going to go to waste. Um, yeah, my fans are super, super nice and considerate, and um, I, I, I enjoy seeing them whenever I, I get to travel. And, um, there's so many great folks out there. Um, <laughs> Alabama is not known as, like, it's not really, people don't tour there a lot. A lot of, you know, authors never even visit the state. So uh, I got to go there a couple of times now, and it's been fantastic, uh, especially for sci-fi and fantasy. Um, Huntsville, Alabama is where they have a big NASA facility. So the whole city is just crammed full of science nerds, right? They've, and they're, they're really into reading science fiction and fantasy. And so you go there as a science fiction and fantasy author, and they're like, woo, let's party. So uh, it, I, I had a great time going to, to Huntsville, Alabama. I like visiting places that don't get a lot of love, just like I like to um, write about places that don't get featured as often. Um, you know, Tempe, Arizona, you know, was I, I still don't think anybody else has written about Arizona and urban fantasy. You know, it, it you seem to always get the same cities like New York and L.A. and stuff like that, which are all awesome cities. But um, I, I like to maybe explore some other places and let readers go visit a place that they haven't already seen a bunch of times before. And um, so that's uh, kind of the appeal to me to bringing cities alive on the page for, for folks who might not ever get to visit it otherwise. When you're talking about, you know, how much your work has inspired other people to be creative and to, to create their, their own art. And uh, so, sounds like uh, Huntsville, Alabama needs to be another place that's, that's uh, visited. Uh, it's in it's in paper and blood. Yeah, I wound up putting it in there um, because it's too, it's too fun. Yeah, and uh, they've got a really cool little axe throwing joint there too. You know, you can go oh. and recreationally throw axes at targets. So okay. that's a blast. If you've never done it, it it feels great. <laughs> that sounds that sounds like something to experience for sure. Yeah, for sure. If you could include any place in one of your books in the future to take a trip there for research or just for fun where would be your ideal place to go Ooh, that is um pretty fantastic um right now i am wanting to go to 
Um, well, I, I'm actually wanting to go back to Scotland, but a different part of it. If that makes any sense. I don't want to go to Glasgow, but I want to go to the islands and, um, and see what life is like there because it's different than being on the mainland. So I would love to go there, and I would like to. I would like to make it to Australia, man. I, I'm so sad I couldn't go. Um, I wanted to see uh, Melbourne. I wanted to see, uh, you know, New Zealand and Tasmania, especially the Tasmanian, uh, you know, shores and the 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 honey that they have there. I was I, that was going to be my big score. They have uh, this tree out there called the leatherwood tree. It takes 75 years before it flowers for the first time, and wow. The, the honey that you get from leatherwood blossoms apparently is different and you know of course it's rare and it's just glorious and so i wanted some i can't get any now <laughs> dang it um so yeah i'd like to get to tasmania someday i think would be uh my big my big goal besides going getting back to scotland that sounds amazing science fiction and fantasy and some of those genres that are so accepted in convention events saw a real resurgence in popularity over the last couple of decades as a reader and as an author what is it that you see in these different genres that make them so important to literature and bringing them in out of the cold and more into mainstream uh, focus. Oh uh, yeah, I think we're living through a golden age of science fiction and fantasy right now. The amount of stuff that's being put out there, the really high quality stuff that's being put out there, is just remarkable. And um, I, I think it's because um, we're starting starting anyway to um, publish more, uh, you know, a broader range of voices. Um, and those voices are finding a very eager audience out there. And I think that's a large part of it is that publishing is waking up to the fact that there's a lot of different kinds of stories that can be told and science fiction and fantasy is a perfect vehicle for imagining other worlds and featuring other voices. And I, and I think that's, uh, been a large part of the excitement for me. I really enjoy reading stuff that's not written by someone who looks just like me. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think that's a large part of, of what's driving the, you know, the sort of explosion right now. So talking about um, other authors, other books and series, uh, what is your favorite, you know, either book or author or series? Uh, what, what's something you would recommend? Well, this changes a lot. Um, so this is my answer today and it might be different tomorrow and that kind of thing. But um, I really, really loved The 10,000 Doors of January by Alex Harrow. And Alex, in this case, is spelled A-L-I-X and Harrow, A-R-R-O-W. Um, it was such a beautiful book, so well written. There are some fantastical, magical sorts of elements in it. Um, but um, just beautiful language, beautiful uh, characters, a wonderful, you know, sort of romance kind of baked into the heart of it. Um, and, and I got done in it. I don't know if you've ever experienced this where you're just, you know, it's one of those sort of perfect endings where you just feel really fulfilled. And, and, and you're like, you're almost like crying happy tears because that was so beautiful, but I'm sad it's over and that you're, you're having all of those kinds of emotions. And so you're kind of, you know, ah, and that's what I was feeling. And I closed the book and I was obviously emotional and I was in public when this happened. And this very nice lady 
uh, was kind of sitting nearby, and she asked, oh, sir, are you okay? And I'm like, just here, you'll understand. You could just have it. So I just gave her the book, you know, and then I went and bought another one, you know. And it's that kind of book where you just want to gift it to people, you know, and, and, and so that they can have a wonderful experience. So that's my highest recommendation, The 10,000 Doors of January by Alex Harrow. Uh, and uh, if, if you like uh, like an urban fantasy series that's really sort of hard-boiled L.A. noir, I would look for uh, the Eric Carter series by Stephen Blackmore. And uh, it starts out with a book called Dead Things. That's probably one of my favorite uh, uh, urban fantasy series right now. Yeah, that, that, that one sounds familiar, but I'll, I'll have to check out the uh, 10,000 Doors of January. I, I, it's always nice when a, a librarian hasn't heard of a book. You know, that's that's an entirely brand new one for me. OK, yeah, it's been yeah, it's been nominated for some awards and stuff like that. Uh, it's fairly new. It did come out uh, if it wasn't this year, it was late last year that it came out. So I'd like to follow me on social media. I'm, I'm pretty dang friendly. Um, it's just at Kevin Hearn on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, I share a lot of bird photography and things like that while I'm on Instagram and uh, some drink recipes sometimes things like that so and that brings us to the end here so uh just want to uh, thank you again kevin for uh doing this author talk with us uh, for library con and if you're looking for a new fantasy read we highly recommend kevin hearn the books are so much fun and so diverse there's something for everybody and thank you so much for talking with us today oh it's my pleasure i appreciate you guys having me and um hope you all stay safe out there my mom is still out there in Arizona. She's living up in Payson. And uh, I, you know, I haven't seen her for, you know, all this time. So uh, I hope to, I'll, I'll get back to Arizona uh, when they open up the borders again. And I can go pay a visit. That'd be great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I had a great time talking with you. Thank you so much, Aubrey. And, and thanks to everybody who's out there reading uh, in, in their libraries and stuff like that. I, I, I appreciate it so much, and I, I hope you enjoy the stories and uh, get get a little time for, to uh, escape the world uh, and uh, immerse yourself in a different one for a while. Yes, that, that is the best part of reading for sure. All right, so we'll be signing off, everybody. Thank you for watching, and have a good day. Thanks, everybody. We hope you enjoyed today's program, and please take a moment to like, review, and share our videos. Plus, check out our new podcasts. To find Kevin's books or any of the other authors he recommended, check out our website at mcldaz.org. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at mcldaz.